0: Welcome back to another edition of the Bowler's Extra podcast. I'm Mike Carmen uh, with you today as Purdue gets ready for its uh, season opener at Nevada coming up on Friday night. Uh, they'll kick off at 9:30 uh, Eastern time. Uh, the game will be shown on uh, the CBS Sports Network for those that uh, get that channel. I know for a while, Direct TV did not have that on their on their system, and that caused some angst around uh, the Lafayette area, but. As far as I know, that, that network is back on, and those that use DirecTV will be able to, to watch the game. But anyway, uh, we're just a few days away from uh, Purdue starting its 2019 season, the third under Jeff Brom. And uh, they, get a, they get a nice trip uh, to Nevada to, to start things off. And uh, we're pleased to be joined uh, today by uh, Duke Rittenhouse in his second year. On the beat, uh, covering the Wolfpack, he's been at the paper about 10 years and uh, knows uh, knows the university well, knows uh, the Reno area well. So you might want to hit him up and follow him on Twitter uh, to, for some uh, recommendations of what you may do uh, if you're going to get out there for to Reno, because I, I do believe there's going to be a lot of Purdue fans that make the trip, have already planned to go out there to make it a, a nice uh, Labor Day weekend uh in a, maybe a part of the country that they haven't seen but anyway duke first of all thanks for for joining us thanks for uh you know it's early it's early morning out there so you got the kids off to school and uh, everything's good right now correct
1: yeah no this is, this is perfect the uh the house is quiet it's just uh, it's me and the dog and uh so we're ready to talk some football all
0: right let's start big picture with nevada and kind of they won their bowl game last year so they had some momentum going into the off season but this kind of uh discuss kind of what the bowl game meant to the program, uh, what happened in the spring, any key transfers, any key newcomers, and kind of just uh, uh, kind of a mini state of the program as they get ready for the 2019 season.
1: Yeah, I'd say things are, are, are good. Um, you know, Jaden um much like the situation of Purdue, you know, is entering his third year. And um, he introduced a bit of a culture change, um, I, I'd say, I'm kind of simplifying here, but but he came in and said, uh, took a look at the roster and said, this is too small, it's too slow, um, and uh, it doesn't have the right attitude. This group can never win a conference championship, essentially, and and that began a transformation with of course Norvell not only bringing in uh, you know recruits that he thought fit that mold, but um, also in kind of an attitude change of I don't care who you are, you know, you're whether you're the starting you know qb1 down to the third string um you know X back but you need to be accountable or or you're gone and a little bit of that happened and then fast forwarding as you said uh, you know a bowl win was huge for this program um they were coming off a three and nine season that included a loss to idaho state which you know it's not like idaho state was competing for fcs championships they were a bad fcs team and remain a bad fcs team and and it, that was just uh, a disaster. So 2017 was three and nine, and in um, you know, 2018 last season, uh, predictions were all over the place. I mean, you know, we had them from four and eight to eight and four, but but for them to fight for a, a Western Division title out here, and not not quite get the title, but to fight for it, get a nice bowl invite, and then hold on to win in overtime, you know, was it's not something anyone expected so to 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 sum it up you know that just they enter the spring and um you know bodies are flying and pads are popping and i, I think it's an image i think it's a reflection of of coach norvell who is who is an old big 10 guy uh you might remember that he was a defensive back at iowa mm-hmm. and uh, you know i i think he brings he brings the values of that along with the things he's learned um at oklahoma and arizona state and and uh you know the program. I think is I think is where he envisioned it uh, as he enters his third year. Uh, and then you, you, to give more micro, you mentioned uh, the personnel changes. As far as the transfer portal opening, there was one big loss for Nevada. That was a receiver named McLean Mannix, um, who was a deep threat, um, and he left for Texas Tech. The coaching staff returned almost intact, and the. Spring entered, ended with one major injury, actually to a backup quarterback, but that's it. Uh, you know, so uh, to, to bore down a little bit to the micro level, that's where the program stands now. As you and I mentioned off off camera, they uh, they, they booted us out of practice now, so um, you know our views are going to be a little more limited. But um, that's where we stand now, as um, you know, as a big challenge comes into town.
0: Just uh, from a recruiting standpoint, what what has he done to elevate the the talent level in the program? Has he gotten into some new areas, or has he stayed pretty close to to what you know what Nevada needs to do from a from a home based recruiting standpoint? I think a little of each. Um, you know, Nevada
1: for um, any of your listeners who might be coming for the first time is only or Reno, I should say, is only ten or eleven miles from the California border. So, um, California is a big part of of you know growing up here and living here, you do a lot of stuff in California. So, Nevada football has always had to hit the state of California very hard. And that didn't change with Jay Norvell. One thing I think he's done, um, which was the first part of your question, is I think with his experience at places like Oklahoma and Arizona State, um, I believe Coach Norvell started at Northern Iowa, and you know, these places, I think he's got great contacts. And I think he's been really willing to open up the recruiting um in fact the first most notable player in his 19 class was a quarterback from georgia which we all did a double take on you know we don't get quarterbacks from georgia we don't even recruit georgia so um but but he did and he got the guy and you know the kid enrolled early and and that whole thing and so there's an opening up of the playbook if you will a little bit there in terms of of course we're going to hit california but Where's you know we need to be aware of Texas, we need to be aware of you know when we see these these players we want, we've got to go for it because I mean I think the world's gotten to be a smaller place and I don't think a kid from Georgia, I don't think it's that unusual that he maybe wants to go to Nevada. These you know these players want playing time and these players are on social media and they're, they they're very aware of what's going on in, in the world much more than they were 10 years ago. When maybe these coaches could make them promises that they couldn't keep. You know, these everyone's kind of more wired in now, and so if you see a player in Georgia that you want, you've got to go get him. And I, I think that's the change in mindset that Jay Norvell's brought.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, I think you're correct in that the world has gotten smaller because of the internet, and that if I'm a, if I'm a quarterback in Georgia, for example, and Nevada is contacting me, all I got to do is Google University of Nevada and you can learn just about everything that you want to learn and then from there you decide whether you want to visit what you know you you just learn a little bit more so you I think players have more information available to them today than they did 20 years ago and hopefully that enhances better decisions uh, that are made but as we've seen transfers happen more and more every year so you know, the, the two are not jiving together, but that that's that would be a different podcast that we could probably do for two or three hours. And Yeah, not... like recruiting, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, we're here to talk about Friday's game. Uh, we're joined by uh, Duke Rittenhouse, and he covers Nevada, Nevada football. But, okay, specifically with this year's team, as you entered training camp, what did you see as the strengths? What did you see as concerns with this team? And then... On the back side, have those strengths or have those concerns – have the strengths stayed the strengths? And have the concerns been corrected, or are they still concerns right now? Yeah,
1: you know, that's interesting. And kind of taking the second part first, uh, you know, the, there's two concerns, I think, if you're a Nevada fan. One's pretty obvious. It's the quarterback. It's, you know, the guy who gets the ball every play. And uh, Ty Ganji, who was here for two and a half, three seasons as the starter, is gone. And so the quarterback competition opened up and became kind of interesting in that the battle was whittled down to three guys. And, and um, at, at the Mountain West Media Days in July in Las Vegas, it was, I thought, fairly even. People would ask me all the time, and I said, I think it's a fairly even battle. And then the attrition started to set in. Um, a guy named Christian Solano, uh, who was the only player who had thrown a pass in a Division One game, he hit his hand on a helmet second day of camp, so he's in a cast, so he drops out of the battle. Uh, Malik Henry, who, who some of your listeners might remember from Last Chance U, the Netflix right. show, yes. uh, he, uh, he you know, came in with a lot of hype and all that, and he had a nagging hamstring going on for most of fall camp, and so he wasn't doing all the drills. He, he wasn't doing everything that involved running. And so after a while, in terms of evaluation, he dropped out. And <clears throat> that leaves us with Carson Strong, who will be the starter against Purdue, who's a redshirt freshman who missed his senior year of high school and so hasn't thrown a pass since he was a junior in high school. Um, actually, he played briefly against Portland State last year but handed the ball off. And so here's Carson Strong coming in, big prototypical pocket passer who won the quarterback job. And, and frankly, back in spring camp, if, if you – we all would have gathered and said, okay, we're going to have a pool. Everyone gets to, you know, we're, we're going to bet on who the quarterback is. I don't think you would have gotten a lot of Carson Strongs. I think some people would have gone with Christian Solano because he's the senior who's played, or some people would have gone with Malik Henry because he's the flashy transfer. Um, but here we are. So, you know, there's, and I think they're pretty happy actually. Carson Strong's a confident guy and, and wants to play. I think a big difference for him is that Nevada opened against Portland State last year and you know speaking of bad FCS teams I mean they put 72 up on them and could have put 172 up on them so Purdue is not Portland State and we all know that and this is going to be a pretty big challenge for him Um, continuing real quick the other concern is the secondary which is not good when you know like Rondell Moore is coming to town (laughs) but there's there's a lot of questions there Nevada has since jay norvell's arrival has shifted a bunch of offensive guys back there have they've tried a lot of different things um it's pretty good at the top with a guy named daniel brown who's a great cornerback i expect him to probably be matched up with rondale uh for most of the game but after you get past daniel brown there's a ton of questions there's there's a former quarterback back there um there's a guy one of the one of the surprises of the initial depth chart was the second cornerback position where a guy named Jaden Dedman, who's a redshirt freshman, uh, won the job. And and um, even though I cover the team, I'm legitimately surprised by that, that that's the way they're listing it. So those are the concerns. Uh, the first part, um, they're all seniors. Nevada plays a three-three-five kind of stack formation. So the three linebackers are uh Really important. They have to be fast. They cannot let running plays get back into, you know, the secondary. I know that's the basic job description, but they, with the three-three-five, they've really got to shut guys down. Um, and these guys are good. Like I said, they're all seniors. One of the sixth-year senior, who's actually a local kid, and um, that's a strength. These guys have been in the program, about, you know, for a long time uh, through Jay Norvell's entire tenure. And they, and they know what to expect, and they know what's expected of them. Um, so I'll go with linebackers as a strength. And um, actually, the receivers are pretty solid. They're, despite the loss of the player who left for Texas Tech, the receiving core um, is really good, and they shuffle some guys in and out of there, and it's not much of a drop-off when they start shuffling.
0: Right. What's well, interesting, you mentioned the linebackers because Purdue's got some questions on the offensive line, and I'm really curious just how much – they get those linebackers involved in some pressure and trying to, to bust up the middle and take advantage of Purdue's inexperience there. But it does sound like, you know, that's going to be a, a, a task for Purdue to be able to handle maybe some blitzing linebackers or some, some guys that are, that are going to come off uh, maybe the edge and and stuff like that. So I, that sounds like a pretty key area to watch on Friday night.
1: Yeah, I'd say that. And the, the, can the Nevada secondary cover anyone? I mean, if, you know, I think, it's not that Purdue's not going to complete any passes. We all know they're going to complete a few passes, but how open are these guys? That's that's what I'm going to be watching, especially in the first quarter. I'm going to, uh, you know, are these guys open by five yards? <laughs> or is it a case of, you know, good players, if good players make good plays, I mean, if the quarterback and the receiver both make a good play, okay, that's fine. That's that's football. Right. But are these guys too open is another thing. And, and that, if, you know, can, Will Purdue just keep slicing and slicing until they get, let's say, the big play? Until they can get, you know, maybe Rondell or even someone else loose? If if Nevada's flipping out about, you know, covering Rondell more, can someone else get loose? So I think I think that secondary, and I've you know I've asked them straight up, are you guys, you know, this is a big challenge? They all say they're looking forward to it, which I guess, you know, when you're a Division One athlete, you have a certain amount of confidence, but I think it's a huge challenge for that secondary.
0: Yeah, trying to defend Rondell Moore was a challenge for Ohio State last year, it was a challenge for a lot of teams. But you know, Purdue's added some freshman wide receivers, Milton Wright and David Bell, who who would be considered either equal to or just a notch, a small notch below Rondell's talents. They play different positions, but these are these are guys that can that can make plays. Granted, they haven't done it in a game, but they come in with a pretty strong background that. You know, I'm sure the Nevada coaching staff is well aware of what what these two guys potentially can do, and that's that's probably gotta be a concern because Purdue really didn't have those threats around Rondell last year. They had good good receivers, but the two guys I mentioned have a chance to really up the game on the perimeter, and if that's the case, um, that that may be a difficult chore for, for Nevada to handle. But if they get some pressure on the quarterback, that kind of that equals things out a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that should be, you know, maybe that's the maybe that's the key to Friday night. Those those two areas. Uh, And the third key would be, you know, Nevada starting a freshman quarterback, and and he needs to he needs to get over whatever butterflies he's going to have. He needs to get over those fairly quickly. Um, you know, or he, you know, there's only four. There's only three and a half hours. You know, you don't get a second chance. He needs he needs to get into the rhythm of the game fairly quickly.
0: What, what what do you view him? I mean, you haven't seen him really play in a college game, and he hasn't, as you mentioned, he hasn't probably thrown a pass since his junior year in high school, but what what do you view as his strong point, and um, and where can he help this offense move down the field and put the ball in the end zone?
1: Yeah, you know, he's, actually he's been, his teammates uh, have praised his leadership and his, his, his uh, vocal ability, which we saw during, when we were still going to camp, um, we saw that. So he, he's confident. Um, he is more of a pocket passer. Uh, he throws a hard, I think, kind of low ball. Um, although he can, he can certainly bring it. The the air whistles when when the ball goes past you. Uh, he's maybe not the running threat that um, Ty Ganji was, the former the former quarterback. Ty, Ty could take off. Um, so possibly a little bit limited there. Um, I think his, he's got the trust of his teammates, and, and as you just mentioned, we he has no stats, he has no college stats. We can't we can't look back and say, oh, you know, geez, you remember that UNLV game where he did this? You know, he's going to have to kind of show us all. Um, but I don't think he lacks for the confidence, and I don't think his I think his teammates that as they their expression is we've got his back. That's we've we've heard that for two three weeks now.
0: What kind of running game do you expect out of uh, the Wolf
1: now, I think we, we could see quite a bit of a guy named Toa Tala, who um, was the Mountain West Freshman of the Year last year. And it's, it was the first season-ending award that Nevada had ever won uh, since it joined the Mountain West. Um, he is uh, he is a bit of a bowling ball. He's, he, he's a second-level guy. He usually makes the first guy miss. Um, Nevada often goes with a one-back look. So you'll see number 35 back there, Toa Tala. Um, and uh, he's, he's a good – he's just a good change of pace from the passing game. And like I said, he, he has a, a strong ability to make the first guy miss. And actually his backup is a senior named Kelton Moore uh, who actually has more career starts and more experience than, than Tawa does. But um, he, technically Tawa will be the starter. Kelton Moore is a load. He is difficult to tackle. He's, he's probably more of what you guys are used to in the Big Ten, a, a bigger – a bigger player than we usually get i think he goes about 225 but he's fast um the running game is, is strong you know it, it, we they call it the air raid uh, the mike leach type offense but you have to have the run and if the run has to succeed or the air raid you could just sip, you can you know keep eight guys in coverage and right. the air raid's not going to do much of anything the run is huge um i think jay norvell is a 50 50 type of guy he, he doesn't want that final stat sheet to show too many passes. Um, I don't think, you know, situationally, I don't think too many passes is great for Nevada. I mean, I think it shows maybe they've fallen behind in a game and they have to try to get back into it. Um, I think the closer that final stat sheet is to 50 50 for the Wolfpack, the more chances Nevada had to win Friday's game. And I, if, if Nevada's just dropping back to pass every time, it's not a good look. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously you want, you want some balance and, uh, that's probably what they're going to need, uh, to try to keep Purdue's defense, uh, uh, off, off balance a little bit. Uh, but you mentioned, uh, you know, before we started that, uh, you had your weekly press conference, uh, with uh, the Nevada folks yesterday, just kind of, kind of sum up their thoughts about Purdue and what, how they view the Boilermakers going into this first game. Oh, a a lot of
1: respect. and, And I think, um, just across the board um i think the players and the coaches would rather schedule you know a a big 10 over the big sky um as far as opening um really looking forward to it we don't uh, i believe this is only the eighth uh nevada game against a big 10 opponent and the first since i want to say 2006 northwestern came out here i remember that actually nevada won that game um and so you know there's the there's the opportunity to play the big 10 there um Rondell Moore's name came up, you know, without being prompted many times. There, you know, an All-American is coming into Mackey Stadium. Um, you know, so these uh, Coach Norvell used the word opportunity a lot. I mean, here's an opportunity. We get Purdue at home, and that's, that's it. That's not going to happen again for, you know, 50 years. So it's an opportunity. Um, I think a lot of respect. I think, again, I think it's a fairly confident group in terms of taking on the personality of its head
0: coach um jay norvell expects to win and you know has
1: it is a football lifer and i think his has a uh, you know this group in its second year winning a bowl game you would have you know i would have lost that bet if someone would have given me i said would have said no way and so you know it's a it's a bit i'd rather have this team play purdue than the 2016 team under brian polian which i thought was just kind of flat and lifeless um so but but across the board the two words we heard a lot were respect and then opportunity again
0: yeah that makes sense uh you know purdue barely won that game in 2016 at at ross age stadium i believe they were down uh in the first half yeah, by 11 by Purdue, I believe,
1: scored the last 21 i think
0: yeah and it um, took a nevada missed field goal i think uh late in the game To kind of seal it and I think of I think I may have written at the time that may have been the worst missed field goal I've ever seen and it was (laughs) I think it was pretty bad it still might be sailing left uh into into the Ross State Stadium uh stands right now but I I guess the mood of the campus the mood of the town the mood of the university community you know to get a Big Ten team in there in there you know first time in over 10 years that that, that, that's happened I mean kind of what's the build-up like for uh, for this game, and also you know Nevada's got to play Oregon next week too, so they're 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 uh, they're starting off with a very strong schedule this year.
1: Yeah, uh, school started on Monday, so the, there's some excitement there. the The team, um, or I, I guess the program would be more accurate, has done a lot of outreach uh, this summer, more so than in the past. They're trying to do student oriented events, um, so that's different. I think there's some enthusiasm there. The um, the the core group of boosters uh, seems very excited. As you mentioned, I think in, in terms of Nevada's first road game will be will be at Oregon, on September seventh, and and that's a pretty fairly easy trip. And I think there's there's some excitement for going up to to play the Ducks. Um, one thing is Nevada hasn't opened with um, consecutive Power Five opponents since 2007, um, and usually the within the first two games there's going to be if you're nevada you're gonna you know you're gonna mix in a texas san antonio or you know you're gonna mix in a smaller game there as i mentioned a couple times last year's opener was portland state so you know in terms of the opener um there's there's these two big programs that nevada has a chance again you know opportunity to to do well um i think that in general there's some enthusiasm to to open football season um it's a friday night game the weather's been pleasant uh i believe friday should be pleasant um So, because it's been hot here during the day, but I I think Friday night will will be a a real nice time to watch a football game. So, um, you know, and and the rumor, the rumors are that Purdue travels well, so we should see a lot of visiting fans, and that should be fun. I mean, there's no problem; no one has a problem with that. That's just fun. So,
0: yeah, I I think I've heard from a lot of Purdue fans. Yeah, I heard from a lot of Purdue fans that are going out and making it a long weekend, and um, you know, trying to trying to experience. A kind of a new venue that they, you know, they probably won't get back to again for, you know, in my lifetime, <laughs> probably won't yeah. probably won't see this game again in in my lifetime. But okay, to put you on the spot a little bit. How do you how do you see this unfolding? I mean, you you know Nevada, you 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 know you you know a little bit about Purdue based on what happened last year, maybe some of their personnel this year. But uh, kind of in your view, how does this how does this game shake out on uh, on Friday? Uh, you know, I mean. You know, I'm not going to be the Nevada homer guy. I mean, Purdue is
1: about a 10-point favorite, and I think that's about right. Uh, maybe, maybe even a little low. Uh, if you're Nevada and you're looking for negatives, you know, if you're a Wolfpack fan, you've got to say, look, my quarterback's never played in college, and my secondary is shaky against a team that can pass. And, and that, that can't be a great feeling, you know, going in. Um, you know, and there's a reason it's a power five and, and not power five. I think Purdue's going to be much bigger along the lines, um, I think Nevada is looking at a situation, one of those situations where they've got to go they've got to finish this thing with either zero or one turnover. I think I, I don't think you can go anything over one and expect to win the game. You know on the other hand, the positives are Nevada's at home. It's the first game for Purdue too. Um, uh, Purdue occasionally had you know trouble covering guys last year and maybe Nevada can exploit a little bit of that, but I think the line is, is about fair. What I suspect might happen is, uh, you know, I hate to say it because I like the kid, but I think I think a key couple of quarterback mistakes might might blow this thing a little too far open, you know, for the pack to come back. Um, I, I'd say Purdue's a solid favorite, um, and now uh, I've, I've got to tell you, as a football fan, I'm looking forward to seeing Ron Dale um, and all that. And I told my my wife's gonna go, and she doesn't go to all the games. She's gonna she's gonna go to the game because I told her. You got to watch this number four, and so she <laughs> she wants to go see him. So I think there's a lot going on. I realize, you know, if you're a Purdue fan, you're probably looking at your team and you're saying, well, you know, we've got questions too. You know, I just think I think you're looking at um, Nevada might have too much to overcome here. To just in the course of three and a half hours, they they just can't. I, I don't see they. I think Purdue's the solid favorite.
0: Yeah, I would I would tend to agree that. You know that Purdue probably has the opportunity to 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 pull away late. Uh, You know there'll there'll be some plays made on both sides early, and then once both you know once both coaching staffs kind of figure out what's out there, uh, they kind of move forward from there. But you know if Purdue you know Purdue's got to Purdue's got to do similar things in Nevada. They can't turn the ball over, and they've got to watch their penalties. Uh, They've had they had problems with that last year in the opening three games. Uh, they, They don't have to play perfect. But, you know, they, they need to really limit, limit their mistakes. And they're going to be without a couple key players. Lorenzo Neal won't be on the, on the defensive line uh, for Purdue. And uh, one of their running backs, Tario Fuller, is out with a fractured jaw. Uh, so they're, they're thin in a couple spots. They've got more bodies on the defensive front. And they've, they've brought more pressure in camp. But, you know, I'm more curious to see how that, that, that operates uh, in a game. So So we're expecting good weather. On on Friday, no rain, just hot during the day and uh, comfortable at night, right? Yeah, from
1: <laughs> from all indications, yeah, we've had we've had many consecutive days of that, and actually, it's it's been a I'm using air quotes here, it's been a cooler summer than in the, in the oh. past. Uh, we barely barely got a hundred. Um, huh. We actually set a record for not getting to a hundred, uh, but it cools off here in the evening. Um, if any of you Listeners are, are just have no idea what Reno's like. It's at 4,500 feet. Uh, it's slightly deserty, so it's hot during the day. But when the, if you remember science class, when that hot air leaves, it cools off awfully quickly here at night. So um, by the time 6:30 rolls around, it'll be pleasant. And by the time the third and fourth quarter. Are around it should still be fine. I'd bring I'd bring a windbreaker, maybe. Oh, light light jacket at the
0: most. Good good advice. In your time in covering the team and being there, how much does the altitude affect the visiting team, especially those that are not accustomed to, to playing at that level?
1: I I am maybe I'm wrong here. My personal opinion is the altitude is overrated a little bit. I think I think if you look at Purdue coming in, uh, these are Division one athletes in a sport with liberal substitution rules if they if they do start feeling gassed i think purdue's going to be fine you know san jose state is at sea level and san diego state's at sea level our mountain west two of our mountain west foes they come up here and play sports all the time and no one ever mentions it i mean they're you know they if they lose a women's soccer game two to one they don't say well geez you know (laughs) we were so tired or whatever (laughs) i think it's i think it's a bit overdone i think I think if you got to go higher than 4,500 feet for one thing, for it to to be more of a factor, I mean, in my opinion, it's more mental. And I know Purdue's coaching staff's way too smart to to let the players worry about that. They've probably already gone over it. They've probably said, "Look, guys, it's fine." And even if you start feeling it, we're going to have like 72 oxygen things <laughs> on the sideline. You know, I mean, there's no way Purdue's way too smart for, for that. I. I, like I said, I personally think it's a little bit overrated. And, you know, I grew up here, so maybe that's easy for me to say. I actually think the advantage is better the other way. Um, I was a track athlete, and when I would race in Sacramento or San Francisco area, I did feel like I was faster. I felt like I was getting more oxygen yeah. because, because I'd done all my training up here. Um, so I, I think going downhill, so to speak, is actually a pretty big benefit. But I don't think the uphill is that hard for, for again for a Division one athlete. These guys are conditioned; they'll
0: be fine. Right. Well, Purdue is coming out a day early. They're going to leave Wednesday, uh, Wednesday night, uh, so they'll be in town, uh, you know, early evening or mid evening on Wednesday. I think it was more to adjust to the the time change than than, right. than the altitude. Although they're going to have a light workout Thursday somewhere to just kind of work out the kinks and kind of get used to, you know, what's out there. I don't know how much you can get done in a day to adjust to, to stuff like that. But
1: yeah, you, you know, actually at the time, adjusting to the time thing is probably the, the more important to me of the two things. If you, if we we're going to talk about the time or the, or the altitude, um, you know, Nevada uh, has simulated a game week by throwing in a couple evening practices and, um, which again, how, out here, you either have to go fairly early in the morning or later because you're not going to practice in the middle of the day. But uh, Coach Norvell actually started a practice at 6:33 the other day, which is <laughs> kickoff time. Right. You know, so I I, I think that's important. And um, I'm sure you know we all travel and stuff like that. I'm, I'm always kind of discombobulated when, when I have to cross a couple time zones so i think that's smart I, I think they're doing the right thing even if it's not for altitude reasons i think right.
0: they're doing the right thing yeah purdue practiced sunday night inside their stadium with the lights they, they started about 8:30 eastern time which is an hour earlier than kickoff but they just wanted to simulate you know playing under in a stadium with lights and just trying to right. give their guys a feel for what for what's uh for what may happen what what might happen on on friday night well, uh, Duke, appreciate your time today talking about Nevada football and getting people ready for this game. Kind of, if people want to follow you on Twitter. What's what's your handle and how can they find you? Uh,
1: it's RGJ Duke, and uh, RGJ is Reno Gazette Journal. So, capital R, capital G, capital J, and then Duke is my first name. D U K E.
0: Yes, and uh, we'll say that uh, Duke and I are part of the same Gannett family. So you can support both of us in, in our in our quest to uh to to, to bring you bring you the game on uh, on Friday through different through different platforms. So uh, once again, to appreciate your time today and uh, look forward to meeting you out there and appreciate all your insight.
1: Okay, no problem. Thanks.